maybe it's just an extra special long episode. special episode of Let's Rewatch. This is uh, not really a normal episode on our regular schedule. It's what I've been affectionately thinking of as the Star Wars Christmas special. No, we're not watching the actual Star Wars holiday special. We're doing something a little bit different with Star Wars in celebration of the upcoming release of The Force Awakens on December 18th. So before we actually set up what we're going to do, knowing that it is Star Wars, let's, uh, let's introduce our regulars here. Of course, I'm Nick. I'm Brett. I'm Sam. I'm Ash. Am I in this? And that's Bryce. And we're joined by uh, our first returning special guest. Uh, this is the guest that we had on when we did our episode for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Could you say it's like the return of a Jedi? It's the return of the guest guy. Our uh, resident Buffy expert, but also huge fan of movies in general and, of course, Star Wars, Ian Martin is with us. Hello. Honored to be back. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. Um, of course, you can catch Ian's stuff uh, online, uh, primarily through YouTube, through the uh, Passion of the Nerd YouTube channel, um, where he does uh, a review show for every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, still in progress, um, as well as lots of other cool stuff. Still kind of in progress, yes. <laughs> I'm, oh, come on. I've, You'll never walk away from that. I've been lagging behind a little bit lately, but yeah. Uh, it's just YouTube.com slash Passion of the Nerd. Excellent. So we're, we're very happy to have Ian with us. Um, we have a pretty big undertaking in front of us today, and it's a different format from, from what we usually do. Um, it turns out that most of us, completely accidentally and unplanned, decided to do the full marathon of the existing six Star Wars movies. Um, and once we kind of figured out that most of us were doing that, we decided to do like an episode of Let's Rewatch where we talked about how we feel about Star Wars. Um, and Ian, you just did like a, a hardcore load over the past week to catch up. Yeah, I watched six movies in three days. Wow. How, how you feeling there, buddy? A little Star Wars doubt. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad you're doing this uh, with us. I also watched the a couple of the fan versions, uh, the Phantom Edit of the prequel oh, wow. trilogy, which uh, gave me an interesting perspective, I thought, on some of the problematic parts of that uh, series. So before we, we get into like actual what, what our thoughts were, let's kind of set up, you know, I'm not going to talk about what Star Wars is and when it was released and, and all that stuff, but let's talk a little bit about what we watched. Um, so Ash, Bryce, and myself watched episode order, mm -hmm. starting with episode one, the first prequel, and then we watched, for the original series, we watched the Despecialized Edition. Yes. Which is a... Pawn shot first. It's sort of like a fan edit, but sort of like the original cut. Basically, somebody took the best quality reproductions of, you know, the special edition, the original, all of that stuff, and recreated a very high quality version of what is almost exactly the original version of the movies. Hmm. So no new effect shots, Han shoots first, no yeah. Jabba the Hutt and, and, and no. a new hope. All a that couple stuff. of really poorly tracked mats. Yeah, there were some yeah. rough shots here and there, but basically we saw the non-special edition. And I just want to add real quick that like when we started this podcast, 
the first thing that we all agreed upon yes, yes, was yeah. that we would never do Star Wars. And here's our reason. Because Star Wars is universally recognized as a great movie series as well, far as the originals go. Right. We agreed we would never talk about movies that are universally recognized as great. Mm -hmm. Star Wars is off limits. But upon doing this crazy rewatch that uh, Nick and I, you know, and Bryce did, at almost the same time, Nick and I text each other and go, we need to do an episode of this because watching them in order was such an interesting experience that uh, we just felt like we had to talk about it. So, so this is not an episode based on A New Hope. We would never do that episode. This is not based on Empire Strikes Back because everybody agrees that's pretty close to a masterpiece, if not one of the best movies. This is a conversation about the six existing movies as a unit. Yeah. Um, now, Ian, you watch the despecialized versions of the new of the of the original series I, as well, right? I watched a little bit of both. Um, by the time we got to Return of the Jedi, I actually watched uh, just the new Blu-ray uh, editions. With the special edition, the new visual effects. Yep, the blinking Ewoks and the shouty Vader throwing the, the Emperor over the thing. Ghost Anakin at the end. Ghost Anakin, yeah. Okay. Brett and Sam, you did uh, release order. Yeah, we did it a little differently. We watched it with a friend who had never seen any of the Star Wars movies. So that's how we kind of got started watching them again. And we went back and rewatched all the originals and then went to the prequels. They they were so unfamiliar with with the uh series. They didn't know uh like Luke and Leia were related and like yeah. they which is beautiful. Like I, I love that so much. I was talking to, to Ash the other day. I was the, I was born in 1978, one year after the first movie, to the day. May 25th, 1978 was when I was born. So in, I think it was 1980, Empire Strikes Back came out, and it's probably my first time in a movie theater. I've never lived in a world without Yoda. And and the the growth of Yoda as a character is just like known stuff to me, you know? And it's weird. You're talking about your friend who had never seen it. It's weird. She kept making really funny comments about, like, Leia hitting on Luke and on Han Solo. And we're like, <laughs> just wait. <laughs> Play it cool. And then, like, they kissed. And she's like, oh, what a player. And we're like, oh. <laughs> You're my sister. Yeah. I've always known. Really? Yeah. yeah because, that's, a, uh, that's an incredible line. Really? You've made out a few times. Yeah, another funny thing is that I had not seen the second and the third prequel. You just um, never had seen I had them. never seen them. Okay. So, really? yeah. Never? Is, wow. That's kind of a shame because it, it's my feeling. I just want to throw this out here as a point of conversation. I think the prequels are unfairly judged based on how horrible episode one is. Well, I think mm. we're jumping ahead, right? That's a questionable thought. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I have thoughts on that, but... okay. So. So let, let's get into it. Why don't we talk a little bit in, in episode order? And I think a really good way to kick this off, if you're into it, I want to hear what Bryce has to say about episode one. Oh, boy. Hold on to your butts. Did not like it. <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> Done. You want to give us a little bit more? Like, you were pretty passionate. 
I just want to let you know, viewers, that I know that Bryce doesn't say, or listeners, I know that Bryce doesn't say a lot on this podcast because Bryce generally usually doesn't have a lot to say about movies. And we finished watching episode one and he was so angry <laughs> about the movie that he literally ranted about it for three full days. I've never seen him so angry about a f- film before. It was pretty bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess I don't know where to begin. Uh, uh, performances? Performances. Uh, it's surprising because I remember as a kid watching this movie in theaters, being really excited, you know, uh, and I just, I don't think I've seen it since I watched it in theaters because I was very unhappy and disappointed because I loved the originals and this was not the originals. Um but I don't think I've seen it since. And I was wondering, okay, you know, this is a perfect example. Will it hold up uh, to, <laughs> to my terrible memory? And it was, it was absolutely, it was worse than I remembered it. Me so no think it holds up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jar Jar was just, I mean, this is obvious. Everyone knows that. Yeah, it was Jar-Jar very, was very rough. painful, but it was so much worse than I remembered. Yeah, actually um, experiencing it again, it's like, wow. It's like, wow, I remember this being bad, but this is, this is painful. And surprisingly, like, the acting... I felt in that movie, just in general, overall, didn't really hold up. Yeah, one of those cases of great actors coming off very badly. There was a lot of, like, I feel like you're just reading a line off a script and not, you know, acting. Like, I don't don't feel like you believe what that character is saying. It just feels like it's being read. And then, you know, Jar Jar needing to end every scene with, like, this... This weird quib, just some poop jokes. Or, or, yeah, just some yeah. poop yeah. jokes just in like Star Wars. Every every scene had to end with just oh, let make Jar Jar do something stupid that just makes you you know facepalm. Uh, it was it was yeah, it was painful. When, <laughs> when I saw Episode One for the first time, you know, in the theater on release night, you know, the the country was seething with anticipation. And, you know, saw it at midnight release in a theater full of people who were so excited and the atmosphere like being drained from that theater as people slowly realized what was happening was weird. And then like applauding when the uh, the droid control ship blows up because they just wanted to applaud at the end, you know. But it was clear they'd already run out of steam. Well, I don't know. Um, I was incredibly excited to see uh, episode one. And I saw it six or eight times in the theater, including three times in one day. So you enjoyed it on original release. It took me – I mean, that's the thing. As a hardcore fan, I – Wanted it to be good. Uh, I so wanted it to be good that I was in. I think I was in denial. It took. I don't think I realized how much I didn't enjoy that movie until I saw episode two. Because everyone at the end of episode one said, "Oh, okay. Well, you know, maybe the next one will be. The next one will be better because that's the one that's not about a tiny baby that whines all the time. It's about you know the actual transition story to evil." And then you saw the second one and you kind of went. Oh no, they're just bad. <laughs> At least that was <laughs> that was my experience of it. I know that's weird because I feel like the prequels got better. Uh, see, I thought the second one was like a, a, a factor worse than the first one. Hmm. That's fascinating. That's weird. Yeah, I like, I have to disagree. It there. really picked up at the end, but of of the the third one, <laughs> but like yeah. the the second one or the first one was bad because of like. 
because of Jar Jar and because of fucking terrible child actor. Uh, but, but it was not like, just the child actor. Like everyone in that movie is very flat and very stiff. And I don't know if it was just I'm assuming it was the direction that they were given. I agree. Because we all know Natalie Portman is an amazing yeah, actress. She is amazing. And she did terrible. Yeah. And Ewan and my boy Liam Neeson's. But like having just watched two and three yesterday, I already can't remember what happened in two because it sucked. I well, remember. It, I, I remember so much about one, and that was we watched that like t- a week and a half ago now. <laughs> well, two is the bridge, um, but it's also the Django Fett movie. It's, it's the fan service for people who love Boba Fett, and it's also the worst on-screen romance in the history of movies. That's why it sucked. It, it was agreed, but it wasn't as bad as I remembered it. Where, where they were dating in Westeros? Yeah. <laughs> now, before we go too far in two, I, I really want to say, I want to I acknowledge what was great about one. And what's great about, you're looking at me weird. It's a horrible movie. It's a steaming pile of crap. <laughs> but what's great about it, I feel, are two things. Nobody told John Williams that he was scoring a terrible movie. Okay, yes. That is one of his best pieces of work. Oh, it's beautiful. Absolutely. I love it, yes. And okay. the sound design on the pod race. The sound design okay. in all Second three movies is none. incredible. Yes. yes. So there is stuff to like in those movies. Yes, I'm you sorry I gave you that look. The music is amazing. Turn off the screen and just listen. Well, and, and the pod race, like, you know, even though it's story-wise, it's, like not the best but it still was the moment in the movie where i was like paying attention and on the edge of my seat like okay this part is interesting see that's that was not the case for us it was kind of like all right like (laughs) they're just fucking driving and there's like literally nothing at stake because if they really wanted to take them uh they've had no trouble like killing people already and like there was, there was just But they're nothing. Jedi. They can't just kill people. But they fucking do all yeah. the time. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like the problem with prequels across the board is that you're painting yourself in a corner. You have to draw connections. You have to tie threads together. And it's, it's always kind of painful. And I think that there was a line in A New Hope where, uh, or maybe it was Jedi, where, where uh, Obi-Wan says, when I met your father, he was already a great pilot. And I think they had to make that line work. And so the pod race thing is their way of building in an action sequence while paying off when I met your father, he was already a great pilot. Well, here's the thing that I have to say about that. And Internet, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I've always been under the impression and understanding that George Lucas wrote all six movies And he wrote them in order. He went to the studios, and this is what I've always understood, is he went to the studios pitching episode one, and nobody would take it from him. I I think the case was more like he had broad strokes of an idea. Um, I'm I'm reading a book now where they took his original script treatment before he made revisions and turned it into a comic book, um, illustrated by Mike Mayhew, who is my absolute favorite artist. and it's, it's very different, but a lot of similarities to A New Hope. So I don't think he had the movies written. In fact, those movies weren't written until Lawrence Kasdan walked in and saved Empire Strikes Back, in my opinion. But I think he did have broad strokes of what he generally thought the stories would be. Hmm. I don't think they were complete. I, I think that sounds more accurate because just because, like, looking at the way 
the difference between the way the stories are told, it's obvious that they were written at different times. Mm. The originals are a lot of like showing and the prequels are a lot of telling. They're telling you the plot points. They're not so much exposition to get uh, done. All of it. And then somehow a lot of neither telling nor showing and just ending a scene before something happened. (laughs) Okay. So, so let's talk about two. Like you didn't think two was, or you thought two is worse than one. So problem number one with episode two is, uh, Rapikin Skywalker. Uh, just fucking like rape again, Sky. Yeah, I rapes this this fucking <laughs> girl the whole movie, and she's like, "Stop looking at me like that. You're making me uncomfortable." Yes. and like he's like, "All right," and then like creeping intensifies, like it's yeah. horrifying. And, and then he's like, "You broke me since you kissed me." I'm like, "Bitch, you leaned in for that. Don't even, <laughs> don't even blame her." That, that did kind of bother me. Like, he was really very forceful. It made me uncomfortable. Like, because a lot of it was him looking at the camera from her point of view. And I was like, ew, don't look at me that way. And, and they kept cutting away from the interesting storyline of, like, you know, Obi-Wan doing cool shit and, like, everyone else doing cool shit. And coming back to this really creepy, disgusting, not a love story. And, like, wasting half or more of the movie on it. And... Uh, maybe there was some like better stuff that happened that was like be- you know better than episode one, but that w- those were just a couple of scenes interrupted by this fucking steaming turd yeah. of a romance. Well, okay, here's beautifully the thing shot. That- <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing: is like the first time I saw that movie, I totally agree with you. I was like, he's such a creeper. He's so gross. Oh my god, he's just like, Ugh, this love story sucks, lame. This time, rewatching the movie, I first off, I had way more sympathy for Anakin than I've ever than I ever had when I saw the original movies. For some reason, like I can't really explain it, but I did, and I enjoyed very much so watching his like slow spiral into evilness. And I I don't know why, but I like really enjoyed it, and I think. Honestly, to God, good. You thought he was creepy? Good. Because I think the filmmakers wanted you to think he was creepy. Because at the end of the day, he's the bad guy. For lack of a better word, he's headstrong. Yeah, like that's that's his character. That he was creepy isn't the problem. That it it just sucked (laughs) was a problem. Well, like I think I think it um, it shouldn't have worked. It's not that it's not that he's creepy that's the problem. It's the fact that it works, that he successfully romances her. I'm using rabbit ears in an audio medium. Uh, is just unbelievably. It just falls unbelievably flat. The whole relationship between the two of them. Yeah. It's it's that classic case. You know, the manic pixie dream girl is is that classic situation where a male writer writes his wish fulfillment. Right. You know, this is probably how George would want his his relationships to go. Is like, the creepy, rapey dream boy the, well, no, the opposite <laughs> of that? Well, no, it's like it starts off with some woman telling George, stop looking at me. You're making me uncomfortable. And his wish fulfillment is that he changes her mind. With continued and intensifying creepiness. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, it, I'm agreeing with you. It's It's bad writing. It's bad wish fulfillment. Maybe he inadvertently... Jedi mind tricks her for the whole movie. 
Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> that's dark. That's yeah, the darkest that's very thing. dark. I that's, mean, considering... And then to a point where she dies at the end when she yeah. gives birth to his babies. Well, I mean, considering that Anakin's mother was force-raped, like... Impregnated with the force, <laughs> like oh, okay, yeah. So there's a there's a thought. Interest the actual interesting part of the plot is that uh, oh, fuck. What was what was Palpatine's uh, uh, master dude's name? Palpatine's master. Yeah. Oh, his name uh, was Vader Master. The no. uh, the guy who master could Vader. stop people from dying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so then Palpatine learns how to create life just from the force and. Uh, they reveal earlier that Anakin, it's it's Palpatine created Anakin Skywalker. I never made that connection. Wait, what? Yeah. Because he was so, the... There's no reason to include all of that info so directly without that being the intention of the, the reveal. Yeah, because in the first movie, they ask about Anakin, and she's like, there is no, no father. father. And then, yeah, he's like wondering how to save Queen... Queen Papadala, whatever. Yeah, Papadala. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he just straight up says, like, yeah. yo, I can create life. Like, interesting. I he never does. made that That's connection. That's right. So, uh, so that opens up a huge can of worms. Yeah. <laughs> Which is significantly cooler than what they put in the movies. But it's a yeah, lot of forethought. You know, I can I can believe that he manipulated certain events, but that he in- manipulated those specific events. That specifically is a stretch. Well, maybe he didn't know how it was going to turn out, but, you know, you use the force to create a a space Jesus. Like, it could go one of two ways. But why in Anakin's mother? Like, why her? And she was on this other planet completely. What you're asking is an interesting question that would have resulted in an interesting plot. A a better movie. they put it in the movie. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and that reminds me of something that I think I was mentioned in mentioning to you guys. There's there's this whole um, prophecy, and I hate prophecies as a storytelling mechanism, but there's prophecy that he would bring balance to the force. And then at the end we're left, oh, you're supposed to bring balance. You didn't bring balance. I think he absolutely brought balance. Yeah, because too many Jedis, right? Yeah, before there were hundreds of Jedis and one Sith. He brought balance. There were two Jedi, two Sith, perfectly balanced. I think the problem was the Jedi interpreted that prophecy to mean something that it didn't mean. And absolutely he paid off the prophecy. Well, the Jedi were like too wrapped up in this force nonsense because they're like, oh, we can't sense like any fucking evil. And then Obi-Wan's like, yeah, but isn't Palpatine kind of a dick? And like no one acted on that thought. Like, I mean, they saw he was a dick and like, but they were like, but he's not a Sith. So I guess we'll just let him fucking dissolve the, the council and, and do whatever he wants. And then until like all the way up until like, like, oh, he's, he's, he's the fucking dictator now. And they're like, oh, that's fine. And then Anakin comes back. He's like, oh, but by the way, he's also a Sith. And like, oh shit. Now we got to overthrow him. Like (laughs) in, in defense. And I, I truly, truly hate going to this comparison because it's an overused comparison, but I think it was a very intentional mechanism in these movies, is that Palpatine rose to power in the way that Hitler did. Exactly the way that Hitler did. Yeah, he did. He controlled the government to the point where he set things up to fall in a certain way so that they had no choice but to give him these emergency powers. And people were so fearful for war. They didn't want to go to war that they agreed. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then but then they like dissolve the Trade Federation in the third movie by Anakin walking into a room and killing ten people. Like, I mean, <laughs> at any point they could have stopped this without creating a Hitler, a space Hitler. But they were too afraid of Anakin. They didn't want to. I mean, they had they had like a whole team of Jedi like on the side of the council, and they really very clearly showed that. Anakin walking into this room and killing the Trade Federation dudes was the end of that. Yeah, yeah, he just straight up murderizes them. <laughs> murderizes. Like there was no problem, and the, that's why the writing and the movie sucks is because there was no problem. Well, you know, uh, so I guess we're kind of on to Episode Three here, and and Episode Three, as far as the prequels go, certainly is my favorite. Um, and, you know, I had a worry. I remember way back when I had a worry going into the prequels that they would too quickly turn Anakin to the dark side. Um, but I found that, that that was unfounded. I think oh. they absolutely earned it. I, I feel like they really built it. I saw the manipulation. You know, I saw him being disenfranchised with the Jedi. I saw the way that the Emperor manipulated him. And I, I think it worked. I think it paid off. I, I think Sam disagrees. I do. I don't know. It felt like, I don't know. It felt like he was... He was being manipulated, yes, but I don't feel like they pushed it far enough. And it was just like like flipping a light switch. All of a sudden, he was like, all right, I'm evil now. Okay, I'm just going to murder kids and, you know, throw everything away. Even though, like, one second ago, I was saying, don't murder Palpatine. Well, I, I disagree because there were some really good scenes where he would, like, do something evil. Like, when he killed those people who, like murdered his mom and he was he there's that great scene where he like shows the conflict and he's like I know it was wrong and I know that I'm better than that and that was the thing for me on this rewatch of the movies that like really made me go oh and like feel for Anakin because he's he knows that he's like slipping down the slippery soap slope of evilness slippery soap of evilness (laughs) (laughs) but he can't help it that's you know that's the only scene where that the where the turn worked for me is in episode two where he takes revenge uh for his mother's death mm-hmm. and that's what's that missing great. in episode three is in order for the anti-hero thing to work we have to empathize with him on some level we have to say in that scene we we say well that was messed up but i guess i can understand why he would do something like that yeah and that was missing in episode three yeah see i, I did buy that in episode three because i felt like the emperor put him in a position where true or not he believed that was the way to save but padme s- seconds second well mm-hmm. but seconds before the 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 i pledge allegiance to the hitler uh was <laughs> one he walked into the room being under- like we need to arrest him and then fucking mace was like yeah, but no. And then that whole thing happened, like, going in less than one minute from, like, Palpatine's obviously the bad guy and we need to arrest him. And then Palpatine fucking, like, siths him across town. And then <laughs> and then it's just like, all right, I pledge allegiance to you. Like, I'll do your well, bidding. I, yeah. That's a huge leap compared to those other actually, but like, But it's not just, moments. like, that's turned on a coin. Like, that leap has been building up and the I, tension and frustration that he's been feeling with the Jedi Council has been building up and building up over the past, like, like movie and a half. Yeah. is where the turn needed to happen, but I think my issue with it, and I don't want to get into, like, rewriting their, their <laughs> script or whatever, but the problem is, is that it... Uh, 
It wasn't his decision. Uh, he walked into the room conflicted and then sided with the guy who was left after the struggle. Yeah. And uh, Oh, I see. What and, you and had I, made up his mind. I actually point. did buy I, I see why you don't, but I did buy it because he had this moment where I'm so conflicted, but... If the if the emperor dies right now, Padme dies. Yeah, and that yeah. flipped the switch. Chop off Mace's hand. And that set up <laughs> what what I think is a, a even more beautiful scene in Return of the Jedi. After you've seen the prequels, was they put Luke in that position? You know, strike, pick up the lightsaber, strike me down, yeah. and your turn will be complete. And we now have seen how quickly that turn can happen. That we were very much afraid for Luke. He was in so much danger of losing his soul the way that his father did. And it takes one little turn and you're on the path to the dark side. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was kind of interesting because we just watched Return of the Jedi last night that I think I made that comment where I was like, Luke had to make the same decision his father did. And it's really interesting to see them in the similar positions. But Anakin, you know, makes the, the wrong decision, unfortunately. But and I think Luke's veering over the line that whole scene. Absolutely, yeah. And, and I that's think that's why it works. I think he makes the more he makes the choice that we we want Vader to make. We, he makes the choice that we want Anakin to make. And like, yeah, he flipped on a coin. Unfortunately, he had to. But <laughs> right? the revenge for the mother's death in Episode Two was visceral. That was something that was easy to buy. In Episode Three. He has maybe a vision that Padme is going to die, and then the Emperor explains half a story in a room with a big ovary in the middle and semen floating around it. For like, <laughs> he just, it's, it's opera. It's uh, right. It's so expository. Him just sitting there. Maybe there was this legend about some guy who, and maybe we could figure it out. I don't know. It's so vague. And and Anakin decides to murder children as a result uh, of this scene. I mean, agreed, like, read. Yeah. Go ahead. But the, I, I'm a big fan of individual lines throughout the series. And that line, you know, can I learn this power? Not from a Jedi. That line lands. I'm not. I'm not saying that that. It, the three movies are devoid of any good ideas. Yeah. It's just execution that was lacking. It's also confusing why he waited until like the that later scene and not the opera scene. Like he, where Palpatine's like, "Have you heard this story about <laughs> the Sith guy? Right. I know a fucking lot about this story." And like he's just like, oh, "That was a cool story." And then later on, he's <laughs> like, wait, a "Wait, this is the second time you've brought up the Sith. What's going on here?" And, like, <laughs> To make a counter argument, though, Ian, is you you say like, oh, it's you know too too easy for him to flip on a coin and kill children. But killing the Jedi children was not the first time he went and killed children. When he got revenge for his mother, he says to oh, Padme, yeah. "I killed the women and children too. I killed all of them. I slaughtered them." So I think that you know it it really wasn't that far of a jump for him because he'd already done but, such a hateful, spiteful tr thing. True, but what Ian's saying, it's lacking the motive right. that the mother scene had. The mother scene had oh, the right. motive. It had the emotion behind it. This is just like, like I was, I was on happen. Anakin's side in the mom scene. I was yeah, like, that bit like, was simple and visceral. And, like, and, and This is a wrong thing, but I'm, I feel it. And the buildup in episode three felt contrived. 
is the yeah. word that I would use for or that. Or the yeah. fact that she th- then the she dies too. Like Padme, finally we get to the birth scene oh. and she dies and they're like, the doctor's like, well, I, I don't know what's wrong. She's perfectly healthy, but she's dying. I'm just a country and it's like, droid really, doctor. You couldn't <laughs> come up with a reason? Well, no, it, the, the line was, uh, we don't know what's wrong with her. I guess she's lost the will to live. Yeah, like, yeah. like well, could we just have a reason? Also, like even just giving birth, you know, that's a, that's a perfectly legitimate reason for someone to die like come on well they wanted it to be this weird thing where like he was the cause of death for the one he loved and like right but it just again it just didn't land exactly can can you trust it because uh the way we find out that he was the cause of death is palpatine being like uh yeah uh, you killed her yeah, Can you imagine being in that surgery room? All right, uh, time of death, uh, 1.30, cause of death, Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> the Force. <laughs> yeah, so, if, you, if you use the Force roofie idea from uh, yeah. episode oh. two, oh, no. then the toxins perhaps, built up. Perhaps he was um, in some way using that to fulfill what he thought was going to happen. I mean, if he's in some way driven uh, unconsciously to use the Force in that way, maybe that that fits with that sort of theory, I think. You can get you can get away with anything when you just rely on space magic. When the it comes to storytelling, is though that he does kind of like f- fulfill his own vision, right? You know, like he has this vision, it's the self fulfilling. Yeah, prophecy. but was it, was that a surprise or like a reveal in any way? Not really. No. no, to him, not to us. Yeah, I mean, like, but that, it's supposed to be a reveal no. to us because it's a movie. I wanna, I wanna be surprised. I wanna enjoy it. I don't wanna yeah. just like, ha- you know, here's what's gonna. Oh yeah. By the way, all of the 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 prequels. Um, here's what here's what's not gonna happen. Instantly, it happens. So okay. every scene. So, so you want to be surprised, and I think that that is the perfect segue. Well, before we do the segue, okay. Just one more thing but I want to say. So perfect. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead. My my favorite Jedi in the entire series is the one little kid Jedi when when Jimmy oh, Smith yeah. shows up at the Jedi Temple. You're all dumb and, and I'm smart and I'm five. Like all the Jedi kids are dead except this one fucking badass little kid Jedi who's flipping and killing clone troopers left and right. That that's oh, my favorite. I thought one. you were awesome. talking about the one in uh I think it's episode two where Obi-Wan comes in to ask oh. ask Yoda. <laughs> yeah, and the little kid's like, well somebody erased it from the computer, obviously. Yeah. And, and Yoda yeah. and Obi Wan are like, oh yeah, I guess I guess you're right. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Before we segue, sorry, I have to so I have to mention two more things. One, I really really hated the heavy-handed visual cue that Anakin was dressed in black as a Jedi and everyone oh, was in yeah. brown. Was I wanted to punch much. it. And then when you thought that he was maybe going to be good, his robes were suddenly brown. And then For one scene. For one scene. <laughs> and then he was back to black robes. And I... That was his laundry but, but day. He was greed, but he was in brown left to go to Palpatine and when he got there, he was wearing black. He changed in the car. Agreed, he used his but Jedi magic. How how great was that later when we saw Luke all in black and oh. you started to get a little worried? Mm. Well, I didn't that, watch that them in that order, so right. But yeah, I, I do kind of like that. Also, yeah. who else changed in the car? As soon as Han Solo is frozen in carbonite, 
Lando Calrissian is in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon wearing Han Solo's clothes. <laughs> <laughs> is it possible that uh, Jedi robes are kind of like mood rings? Like they, they just kind of... Maybe. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, so, oh, so Anakin's black been... again, everyone. Avoid him. Avoid him. Don't make eye contact. So we have been <laughs> shitting on this movie, but I do want to compliment it on something, and that is that Christopher Lee and Butchin Palpatine did amazing jobs acting. Yeah. Those guys For are great. once. It could just be that the other acting was so bad that that looked so much better. Oh, the acting but it was... got so much better across the board oh, from yeah. episode yeah. two on. Definitely. But yeah, you got but Christopher it's... Lee in there. Christopher Lee made me feel like, like watching his scenes was like, this is what the movie could have been. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he took even the worst motivations and the worst lines and just fucking like acted the shit out he of He was them. Dooku, right? Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And also Peter Cushing in the first Star Wars movie. Like you got those old Hammer horror movie fucking actors. Those guys, I think yeah. they anchored some stuff. So I was so surprised. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of surprise, have you guys seen this video? I know oh I made Nick see it. I don't know. I should have made you see it. There is this amazing video online. Look it up about an entire theory that Jar Jar Binks is secretly the Sith master the whole time. Or at least he's secretly a Sith working for Palpatine. Or he was intended to be that, but George he, changed yes. his mind based on how much people hated him in the Which first makes movie. sense. Point number one, Count Dooku comes out of fucking nowhere. Comes out of nowhere in episode two. Number two, like... You see Jar Jar become less and less and less to the point that in the third movie, we only have one close-up shot of his face and he never says a word. Thank hey, God. Take, take those favors. But <laughs> <laughs> perhaps he was secretly supposed to be um, an evil Sith the whole time and the battle with Dooku and Yoda was actually supposed to be a battle with Jar Jar and Yoda. I, I hear what you're saying, and I and I've I've heard this bullshit, but I am <laughs> I am disgusted and repulsed by the thought. <laughs> but here's the thing. Okay, here's the really interesting thing. If that was true, wouldn't we all have loved to see Jar Jar yes. die? Wouldn't have you just been like, I think Thank I would have enjoyed the turn. God. But it would have been so much more torture, at least, like having Christopher Lee be that character. I was like, wow, this is really good acting. I'm actually engaged yeah, for about so four minutes out of this two-hour movie. CG Jar Jar. I think that clearly there's a gray area where, wherein the truth lies. I do not buy everything in yeah. that video. Misa says, Lord, Misa's going to kill you, Okide. <laughs> Uh, just also Jar Jar is always seen standing next to Palpatine even like before he's supposed to know him there's just like every shot uh, has every shot that has both of them they're always right next to each there's, other there's yeah. a couple of shots too where his lips are moving mm -hmm. while someone else is speaking to suggest that maybe he's uh, force he's controlling force. them so, yeah. so he can control people's minds, but he's one of those people who moves their lips when they talk, when they read. When they, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he says, Jar Jar's key. If we can get Jar Jar working, it's gonna, it's, it, this is going to work. He's also a much funnier character than we've ever had before. It's poop jokes. It's literally poop jokes. Yeah. Like, he's the least funny character. Well, I'd heard somewhere George was saying, yeah, Gungan is a word that my kids made up. Yeah. Like, he was clearly catering to children. Well, yeah, and you had... 
Go no, ahead. It, it, the, that's that's uh, it's funny how episode one sort of poisons the rest of the the things. You've got this kid character uh, stepping in poop and uh, making <laughs> fart jo- fart jokes, and yet you have this tedious, boring Senate scenes about trade disputes and like yeah. if it is it for kids or then who are those uh, <laughs> politics scenes for? Yeah, exactly. So I think this is a Sorry, good opportunity. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. I think this is a good opportunity to to move on to the original okay, series. Before we move okay. on, because I have so much less to say about the original series. <laughs> okay. I have so much more. So, okay, after he leaves the planet in the first movie, they sell his mom to... Uh, oh, yeah. uh, Owen Lars. N- Lars, yeah. And they then later on we're we're introduced to uh, fucking Aunt Beru uh, while in the same scene with three PO, and she doesn't recognize him in episode four when they show yes. up again. Yeah, I have Ash that point that up, too. Every protocol droid looks the same, but not every though. protocol droid is like a fucking sassy gay British man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, did anybody else notice? Interesting fact, and maybe it was just me because I brought it up last night, and Bryce and Nick didn't seem to have noticed. I'm curious to know if you've noticed, Ian. C-3PO is not 100% gold. His right shin is still silver. Hmm. And the interesting thing, and through all three movies of the original, (laughs) well, I'm just, you know, why they made that decision in the original three movies, who the fuck knows? But the interesting thing is in the the prequels, did they go, you know, C-3PO had this gold right leg, you know, did someone pick up on that and go, or silver, and did someone pick up on that and go, well, let's give him silver for these, and then maybe over the years he had his body parts replaced with gold, you know, like you would have a filling replaced, but I just thought it was interesting that something that I never noticed before, that his right shin is silver. See, that's, like, clever, but that's what Ian was talking about, how it just feels really contrived, like, Mm -hmm. why waste your time on that level of detail when you don't even know the motives of your own characters. Yeah, because yeah, they're painting themselves in the corner of drawing threads together from yeah. prequel to original. The uh, b- Before we get into the original trilogy, the one thing I want to mention is for anyone who uh, is wanting to binge the series but can't bring themselves to sit down and watch the prequels, um, I actually sat and watched the Phantom Edit, which is available on YouTube. There's a 1080p version that a fan has taken and trimmed all three movies into a single two-hour movie. Um, And it is spectacular. I mean, That sounds like the Topher Grace cut. It's very similar, and it's extremely well done. He redid all the titles. So uh, in transitions where he cuts out a huge piece of uh, time, he'll say 10 years later on Coruscant, uh, so on and so forth. But the, the, um, the, the, the movie begins with a title crawl that just summarizes the broad strokes of The Phantom Menace and starts with the saber sequence and Liam Neeson dying. And then it transitions immediately into the first scene with Anakin and Obi-Wan in episode two. And I mean, that sounds it, awesome. It yeah. is <laughs> so much better. Um, and the, the final saber sequence, which went on so long to the point of just meaninglessness where they're banging sabers together in the third one for 45 minutes now has meaning and purpose. They cut it. it it's, I think it's now like three or four minutes long and they cut 
shots down to specific scenes out. It's very well done. And Attack of the Clones is only 40 minutes of the movie. Okay. Well, I'm totally down. Did they, did they include awesome. the amazing uh, Jango Fett beatdown of uh, Obi-Wan? That was pretty cool. I, th- uh, I think so, yes. You mean I think he of, of the whole yeah. prequels, that was my favorite thing. That, that was a pretty yeah, cool it's a good scene. What the, hate- what, what the uh, edit does is it makes the movie's main character one person and one person only, and that's Anakin. It significantly mm. trims out everything else. I mean, that's, that was the main problem with Phantom Menace. There's no yeah. main character. Is it Liam Absolutely. Neeson? Is it Ewan McGregor? Ewan McGregor's on the ship for half of the scene in Tatooine. Um, and by cutting all of that superfluous junk out, uh, it really, it, like, like we said, the, the movies are not devoid of good ideas. There are good ideas in there. It, it, he just trims out so much of the fat. So if you're looking for a way of binging all six episodes before you go see the new one, I would go Phantom Edit and then three, uh, I really want to watch four this. through seven. Yeah, I do too. So, okay, I think this is a great opportunity for us to take a little breath and segue to the original trilogy. Jar Jar Binks, no. So I want to kick this off myself. I'm gonna I'm gonna claim this one um, because most people you talk to will say that the best Star Wars movie is Empire Strikes Back. But I'm gonna come out of the gate and say the best Star Wars movie is the original Star Wars movie, the movie that was released in theaters in 1977 under the title Star Wars, the the movie that we now know of as A New Hope. I think is the best movie. It's the one movie where it stands alone. If we didn't have any of the other movies, we'd still have a great masterpiece. Um, that, that one is absolutely my favorite and yeah. So I'm just throwing that out there as a, as a place to get started. I really like Star Wars, guys. Guys, I like like Star Wars. I'd like to, I, if we can, cause I, I have not prepped anything for this thought, but, uh, (laughs) can we, can we elementally break down like why you think the, the original is better than Empire? Yeah, because um, if you talk about that standard three-act structure in your, your um, archetypal hero's journey, I think that the original Star Wars movie is, is one of the best templates, one of the best examples of the hero's journey. I do, I do agree with you there. I do think yeah. you, you make a very a, good point. A complete... Um, uh, somebody who has no knowledge of this bigger, st- and he's got some knowledge. He has a thirst to join in, but he doesn't know much. He has an incredible call to action. Well, he has an the biggest call to action. He has the biggest character arc in that yes. film than he does out of all the others. And I think, like you, like he, you were he, saying, Ian, about New Hope, like who's the main character? You yeah. could almost kind of make that same argument for you know the other two movies, like. Like, well, Empire especially, like, who's the main character? Right. You know, it focuses more on Han and Leah than it does on actual Luke. Yeah, she just said Leah. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's absolutely Luke's story. Um, call to action. He well, denies we're, the we're call. We're talking about episode one, so I had to say Leah instead of Leia. We're talking about episode four. Or episode four, sorry. Yeah. Uh, call to action. He denies the call to action. Um, he's pushed into the story. Um, you know, he, he has that incredible growth to where he is the ultimate hero. 
you know, he is the ultimate hero. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I there there are concepts and structure to the hero's journey that I'm missing here on the spot. But I think it most exemplifies so, that. Well, yeah, everything. It's even got you know the 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 wise old man. You know, yeah. I, I think that's kind of the reason why I think episode two is the best. But on the broader strokes of the trilogy versus the first movie, because mm. shit doesn't ever get too dark in the first one, except for his call to action thing with mm. with the pretty dark. Yeah, that's dark. But there's never like the 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 pit of despair part of the hero's journey really in the first one. Like they kind of like the final fight gets a little rough or whatever. Uh, but there's never really like that's true that but, moment. And like fucking empire gets super heavy on him. So, so if you look at the three movies of the original series as the entire hero's journey, you yeah. do have that pit of despair in empire. Which yeah, is I think that's the perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing I want to talk about, though, and and I, it's hard to include Brett and Sam in this conversation just because you guys watched it release order, but watching the series in episodic order was the I think the main reason why Nick and I looked at each other and we said we need to do this podcast because for me it was such a crazy revelation like I hadn't really seen the original or I, I hadn't really seen the newer three um in a while and so it was so shocking to me to see those and and see that episode two and three were not as bad in my opinion that I remembered and that episode three I actually really really liked and I was I was shocked to like see that because I expected that I was just going to hate all three of them so that was shocking to me. But the bigger thing that was shocking to me was that was even more shocking and, and just crazy was going from episode three to episode four, A New Hope, is such a hard thing to do. <laughs> and like at the end of the day, they do not work in episodic order. It's such a hard turn to like suddenly we're at the 70s low quality film and... It's so this is another one of those cases where I absolutely see what you're talking about but disagree. Yeah. I, I 100% can flip that switch and disregard the production quality that, that you know, you've got a I, difference of 30 years. Yeah, I also feel like well, having watched them in release order, I didn't have the feeling that you felt where you're like, oh, the other world is so unfleshed out. We had the feeling, we said multiple times throughout each film, like, this is not the Star Wars universe. Why are there these weird flying cars? Why are there all these screens? Why are there advertisements? Why are there these big cities? This is and, not the right but universe. There's, there's things about it that just like, you know, for example, like his whole, um, you know, stay on target tracking system in his plane. Like when it cut to the insert of that, Bryce and I just bust out laughing because that that visual graphic on his airplane nowadays in a modern day, you know, audience is so laughable looking. But I'd like, I would like to, to, to throw out there that the reason that was funny is because it pulled you out of an otherwise really like engaging moment. Whereas in the prequels, uh, there was so much shitty CG everywhere yeah. that nothing surprised me as being worse than nothing anything else because it all yeah. sucked. Yeah, well, I'm I not couldn't saying relate that to... like the I'm not saying the prequels are better. Like that's not what I'm trying to say at all. What I'm but just like, trying to say is like going from the prequel graphics to the '70s graphics. 
the 70s graphics felt better to me. I think yeah. absolutely everyone would agree with you on that. If that the if the the prequels looked more like uh I think uh, the prequels in some way soured most people on CG uh, or soured a lot of people on CG just because of its dramatic overuse and constant green screen. So I think, of course, yeah, definitely it would. uh, And the palette, the color palette in those first uh, in the prequels is dramatically more saturated than um, and sharp. Everything is in sharp focus. Yeah. Even on tattooing uh, the pod racing, everything Mm -hmm. is. Very rich, because rendering blurs is is expensive. Oh yeah, right, and, and time consuming. The digital process versus the you know the the chemical process uh, with episodes three through six, uh, or rather four through. I'm getting the numbers out of messed up, but I, <laughs> you know I do I do agree with you. It um, I, how long had it been since you'd seen A New Hope? I really don't remember. Like, I, I think it has been since I was a child because my my father loves Star Wars. Yeah. He absolutely loves Star Wars, and he has branded that love into me. And to the point that I remember buying him, like, the VHSs for Christmas, you know, like the special edition VHS box set. And, like, I really think that the last time I saw them, I saw the box set. And I'm not 100% sure if I've even ever seen the newer special edition version or not. I I don't think I've ever seen the scene where uh, Han doesn't shoot first. I'm not sure. I think that definitely has a mitigating effect in what you're describing. I've seen those movies every couple of years since I was six. And so my – I've never had that – what it was in my imagination as a child versus now experience because I've sort of grown up reconsuming that media. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my expectations are very grounded in a recent experience whenever I right. go back and watch them. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's why I'm yeah. so excited about the new movie because all of the trailers and everything it looks so much like the original trilogy. Natural. Yeah. It looks natural. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's one thing I really respect about those filmmakers is that they have come out and said, like, if we can do it traditionally, we're going to try. And as somebody who passionately loves stop motion and has worked in stop motion, I'm like, yay, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And tangible effects, please come back. I'm surprised Nick hasn't mentioned the machete order. So there's somebody who's got a blog called Machete something or another, and he proposes this order that you should watch the movies in order of four five, two, three, six, and don't even bother with one. So you start with a new hope. You go to empire strikes back. You've got that pit of despair. Then you have this surprise. Vader is the father. Then you go to a flashback. Episodes Mm. two and three play as a flashback. You're left with, Oh my God, he's the father. Well, let me explain to you how that works. You get two and three. Then you come back and you just saw Anakin turn at the end of three. You come back for Return of the Jedi with Luke in black, and now you're so scared he's going to turn. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that's if brilliant. If you know somebody who's never seen them, I think Machete Order is the way to go. Also, no episode one because you just don't need it. Not just because it's a bad movie, but because you just don't need it. Yeah, there's nothing. It it actually just makes things worse. I mean, uh, one of the attractions of the series is that anyone can can use space magic if they focus hard enough. And then uh, midi chlorians in the first one just kind of ruined that whole thing. Um, the only thing I will say that the first one does do, and like I'm not saying that he's not still creepy, but 
if you didn't watch the first one, I think Anakin would come off way creepier. Even more <laughs> creepy if he's like, hey, this is crazy. I just met you, but let's fuck. Right? Maybe, <laughs> like, maybe that works know. for the story. I if disagree. he's creepy, it works. Yeah. I d- having not seen the first one would have been so much better because then you're not like, ew, he's like a kid and she's oh, way older. Yeah. This is gross. That was pretty crazy. I don't think crazy. she was that much older. She was the childlike Actually, princess, we you know, looked it up and me. she was supposed to be 13 or 14. In episode yeah. one, and but she got, doesn't look they it got at all. Like a twenty-year-old actress to yeah. play a thirteen-year-old. They should yeah. have specified ages to make us feel a little better. And about again, that. like uh, uh, Christopher Lee and and Peter Cushing, Peter, like the, it it proves that the casting really could have been like so much better. And like, like they just didn't care. I like I feel like having watched these uh, again as an adult because I haven't seen the prequels in so long, like that. Had the casting been on point, the prequels m- could have been good. Plus, uh, if you didn't see episode one, you also, Dooku wouldn't come out of left field so much because he would be established right away. Well, that mean? that or the, it matters less because it, it, given it's a flashback, you're really only interested in um, the the relationship between Anakin and Obi-Wan and, and him turning evil. So the 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 whole universe story and the politics and all of that just matter less because you're already focused in on Vader as a result of episode two. And I think too, as a rather as a flashback than a linear progression, um, the tone that you're describing, the tonal shift would mean less because your palate yeah, is sort of prepped with uh, new hope and empire. On that subject of like changing your perspective, on um, having not seen episode two or three, you know, the two movies that really influenced the originals, I, I'm in this weird state of not knowing how I feel about the original three because I have all this weird backstory. And I feel like it has totally changed my perspective. And if I were to go back and watch the movies now, I might watch them differently. And I'm not sure I'm okay with that. Yeah, like did we need um, that backstory? I don't I don't feel yeah. like I did. And I'm I'm a little sad. It it kind of has left a weird taste in my mouth. Yeah. Well, it, it was very interesting watching the new ones again with that backstory, in my opinion, because like it's a different experience. Yeah, it's like you know, the whole time you're like, well, of course Vader wants to find Luke, you know? And, and they're like, that moment when Luke's like, he was, you know, they're like, oh, he wasn't after Leia and Han, you know, he, no, he was after Luke. And they're all like, what, why? Like, you know, they're all confused. And you're like, of course he was, cause he's his son. And it, I, it made Vader like such a more fleshed out character to me which was kind of interesting. Like, you know, it made him seem more like a human um, than just this, like, scary dude in a mask. Like, you know, he is a little bit stereotypical in the first two films, you know, until we find out his motives. And so it it gave all of his actions motives, which I found really interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like I, I like him better as this weird, awesome, evil thing. That just wants to do evil. (laughs) Which, how badass is it? I have the line written down um, in Return of the Jedi. The Emperor is coming here. And Vader says, the Emperor is not as forgiving as I am. When you've built up Mm -hmm. Vader as the end-all, be-all of ultimate evil, and he says, the Emperor is not as forgiving as I am. 
That's yeah. a fucking line right well, there. Well, and in my opinion, seeing the other, the newer films too, and then seeing that line is like, fuck, we've seen yeah. how sh- fucking crazy Anakin it can be. He kills children. And to be like, he's not as forgiving as I am. Like, he killed an entire slaughtered, like an entire village because they kidnapped his, like, you know, totally mother. for no reason. Yeah. Well, not no well, reason. No, no, not the village, uh, but he killed like the kids for no reason. The young ones. Well, because yeah. Palpatine so, ordered it. So I'd love to transition to Empire Strikes Back, and I want to offer a little thesis statement for conversation. I can almost buy into this idea that Empire's the better movie because what I want to say is Yoda is the best executed and most important puppet performance that has ever been put on film. Second place goes to Audrey 2 in Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that is a beautiful, heart-wrenching, pure performance from a puppet. And I think that Frank Oz crushed it. And, yeah, so I just wanted to throw I think that Yoda is the heart of Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, I agree. And coming from somebody who's actually, like, watched Puppeteers, puppet you know, these little things. It's really fascinating to think of these puppets as actors, as living things. And that's how the puppeteers think of them. You know, they don't look at Yoda and think, oh, it's a cute little Yoda puppet. They're like, okay, this is a character and he's feeling and thinking. And that definitely comes through in the movie. And I don't have any quotes or background on this, but I feel like Irving Kirshner directed him as a person. Yeah. Never for a moment thought of him as a puppet. Absolutely. The way he's framed, the way, you know, he'll turn to camera and absolutely a real performance. Well, yeah, the camera is whenever you're on Yoda, the camera is eye level with Yoda and it's never looking down. You know, it's it's always eye level. That's interesting. With Yoda I never as noticed you that. Would, yeah. You know, a normal human being. Which but is also something the scene in Jedi when he's snuggled up in bed and he dies and he rolls away from Luke and we've got a great shot of of Yoda facing away from Luke, close up facing away and then rolls back a performance that a human would have given Mm -hmm. that mm, is just delicious so I I mean, oh sorry, go ahead Ian uh, that movie is so freaking tense I mean, and and I think that's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons why when I was a kid I loved Star Wars and Jedi and as I grew older I just grew to appreciate Empire, the end of that movie, uh, the fight between the two of them is the stuff of nightmares uh, because he's so outmatched by Vader to the point where Vader just puts down his lightsaber and just starts mind throwing things at Luke and he just <laughs> falls out a freaking window. That actually gave me nightmares because it's, he's the shark. I mean, he is yeah. the, 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 the shark just completely terrifying in that scene. And I, also John Williams took you there. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, the, the the score is just so iconic. Everything about those movies. I believe that every flaw you find in A New Hope, John Williams and Lawrence Kasdan came in and made that series. I don't think Lawrence Kasdan gets the respect that he deserves, but Lawrence Kasdan wrote the screenplay for Empire Strikes Back based on George's idea. Mm-hmm. Between Kasdan and Williams, that's where you got the movie. Well, the the other thing for me personally that made Empire just so phenomenally great 
besides that, I think you make a great point there, is the cinematography. And out of all six films, in my opinion, Empire has the most beautiful lighting and cinematography I have ever seen. And seeing it in stark contrast right next to... um, you know, Return of the Jedi. In my opinion, Return of the Jedi, everything is lit very flat. Everything is overlit. It's very bright. Uh, But Empire has this contrast to it. And it has a lot of the cinematic Hollywood look of, um, you know, orangey tones in the foreground and cool in the back. And there's even this great wide shot of the Millennium Falcon and the bottom of it is all lit with tungsten light and the top is lit with daylight and it gives it this beautiful look. And it's, to me, Empire is the look of Star Wars. Mm. You know, Empire is the look of space. Empire's got that just beautiful, beautiful tones to it. And and on top of that, in my opinion, um, you know, and it might not be the popular opinion, in the group, but in my opinion, I love the focus more on Han and Leia's, Leia's, you know, love story. Yeah. Uh, I love the the subtleties that we get. You know, there's in he, the he gets credit for being a little less creepy than Anakin. Yeah, and in in the um in in the beginning of the film, there's just some really great like close-ups of Carrie Fisher where she's just like giving Han these looks and there's no dialogue like she's not like saying anything but there's just these really powerful I think it's when he comes into the control room in Hoth and he says like I'm leaving you know to somebody else and she just like turns and looks and she you you just get this beautiful close-up of her that's beautifully lit and everything and she doesn't have to say anything you just know what she's thinking and that sort of directing and cinematography uh, I don't feel like you see as much in the other films. Watch some Cameron Crowe movies. Like <laughs> the story being told through glances. Um, you know, there's a, speaking of cinematography and just storytelling through an amazing shot, one of my favorite shots in the whole series. You know, the ori- the very first shot in A New Hope is this, oh my God, that's an amazingly big ship going across frame. Mm. In the beginning of Empire Strikes Back, you've got like three Star Destroyers and then you've got shadows being cast across these Star Destroyers. And then you see the Executor, the flagship Star Destroyer, you know, to amp things up, to make things bigger. Like, that was a shot. Mm-hmm. Just, like, casting shadows across these unbelievably large ships. And that's an excellent example of showing and not yeah. telling. Yeah. You know, they didn't say, it's the biggest ship in the galaxy. Yeah. It could shadow your fighter jet and, you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. They show it's it. Filmmaking and they its make best. you feel what the characters in those ships are feeling, which is this sense of dread and like, oh yeah. my God, how mm-hmm. are we going to win this? So speaking of our, our uh, traditional visual effects, Sam, I want to ask you, you might know, the, the Adat Walkers in Hoth, were okay. those made by Harryhausen's team? They um, felt very Harryhausen stop motion. I believe they were Henson. You're talking about the things that they like climb into... The, the um, big walkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ones that they, like, cut and have to live inside during the night, right? No, no, no. Oh, when no, they, no, no. they okay. have to take them down with the tow cable, the big mechanical empire yeah, walkers. The AT-80s. Oh, at Okay. Yeah. I don't know. That's a All good right. question. But but whether it's Harryhausen or not, it felt like Harryhausen, and it felt like, 
you know, again, very tactile, real yeah, objects. Yeah, they are stop motion. I can kind yeah, of, definitely. I remember seeing that. Tactile, um, real, the worst form of transportation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when they put those into the forest in Endor, the four-legged Adat walker yeah. in amongst <gasps> the trees is dumb. Be- before we move on, um, there's there's just two in my opinion, pretty big things that I think need to be talked about. You get 30 seconds. And that is character names. And in A New Hope, Princess Leia, Leia, Princess Leia, Leah. Okay, in A New Hope, everyone calls her Princess Leah. But in the rest of the movies, everyone calls her Princess Leia. I never caught that. It's a regional dialect thing. Everybody, Han, uh, oh, you Luke, mean Han? Han? Yeah, and I bring up the second point is that Han Han, like his name is pronounced different ways throughout. No, the movie. it's not. It's only uh, uh, Lando, Lando that calls Lando, him Han. Yeah, but, come on, Han, old buddy, don't let me down. But Princess, enjoy some Colt Forty Five. <laughs> and that was the crazy thing for us, though, as we were watching Episode One, or not Episode One, we were watching New Hope. We're like Leah. What the fuck? Like, why is everyone calling her Leah? Like, I thought it was Leia. Here's what I think is uh, they'd only seen her name on paper and uh, they were saying it wrong. And because there were more important things going on, she didn't find the time to correct them until (laughs) between episode one and two or Uh, four and five. That bitch is polite. um, Now that we... We destroyed the first Death Star. I just, I just have something to tell you. Um, <laughs> You've been it's, saying my it's actually Leia. Yeah, I, I'm yeah, sorry. I just, you know, A New Hope ends with them getting those awards, and uh, Luke and turns then, around and says, "Thanks, Leia." And she's like, "You know what?" <laughs> <laughs> and Chewbacca's like, <laughs> "So jumping over to Return of the Jedi, I'm, I'm a big fan of the the Ocean's Eleven heist." in which the the movie begins. Like, basically, they're infiltrating Jabba's palace, Mm -hmm. you know, just like, you know, Brad Pitt and and George Clooney and putting their people in place. And and another spot where I think is kind of one of those core lines that kills me, also punctuated by John Williams bringing it, they're about to drop them in the Sarlacc pit, and they've got that music. Bomb, 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 like that amazing. And and Luke says, um, Jabba... This is your last chance. They're about to throw him in the Sarlacc pit. And he's like, this is your last chance. That, that is a beautiful moment. And that's when, for me, Luke became the Jedi. Yeah, mm. that was excellent. Yeah. Is it, I have this amazing ability where I can watch the original Star Wars movies and forget a lot of the details like instantly. Yeah, me so, too. I didn't I, remember much. I of it. feel like it makes. I feel like it makes me a bad fan, but at the same time, it's like I'm remembering awesome stuff as it's happening. And like, I, I, I was like, I remember the bullet points. Yeah. <laughs> like I remember the important so things. The the most undignified death in uh, the entire. Uh, Mm. By trilogy, is is above fat who is like the most badass guy, right? Fucking like just I don't know, like tripping into the sarlacc. Like no, it was (laughs) it was Han's half blind accidentally hits him, he flies and he dies. Han could have punctuated by saying, "Oh, me so clumsy." (laughs) Yeah, I was. uh, I hate to go there, but I I kind of think another interesting aspect of the machete order that we were talking about is that Return of the Jedi. 
is the first time you can kind of see the prequels coming between mm. the slapstick death of mm. this cr- intimidating bounty hunter to the Ewoks dropping rocks oh. on at, uh, uh, walkers in the jungle mm-hmm. and the crazy celebration at the end where they're hitting the the helmets oh, and all, all I that. I hated that. Oh, yeah. uh, you but- can see the prequels coming in that oh. movie. I'm I'm in a minority where I love the Ewoks, and I'll tell you why. And this is before I saw episode one. This is why I thought Jar Jar was going to work. I love the idea of the innocent. And there's a moment during the battle where the Ewoks start, you know, really raging and starting to turn it. And there's two Ewoks. They both go down in an explosion. One Ewok stands up, starts running. He's like, hey, come on, come on. And then he realizes that other Ewok's dead. And he drops to his knees and he has that moment. He and moans. the tears are in my eye. They are innocents in this conflict. Yeah, they're and children I, fighting that war. That's why I love the Ewoks. And so uh, we've beaten this horse beyond death. Uh, but the Ewoks were literal teddy bears. Right. A- and uh, th- I mean, maybe that could have worked with Jar Jar had he been. Uh, not a fucking cartoon and like a like, eyes on stalks. Yeah, like a real. I mean, like not CG. Like if there was a yeah. real Jar Jar in the movie, there Maybe. was no reason for there not to be a real Jar Jar. He was just a walking around character. He didn't have something that couldn't have been like a costume on yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there look was at no the, reason. Uh, look at the. Um, I forget his name, but it's a trap guy. Like, yeah. like does he look that much different than Jar Jar? Not. Really, like you could have, you could have done it practically <laughs> for sure. But it's also his character too. Right. That I mean, Admiral Akbar as a character takes himself seriously. Mm-hmm. Jar Jar as a character is always a cartoon. He, yeah. yeah, he's yeah. always and slapstick. It's, it's like, like in the movie where there's a bunch of humans walking around and having like human conversations. There's someone's like shitty racist imaginary friend, yeah. like. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't fit, and it's wrong. And the Ewoks worked because they're like cuddly and cute and real. I, I will argue that they worked better. You didn't like. Well, them okay, so? no, well, they worked better. I, I know. I don't like the Ewoks either. But uh, the, the, the but like uh, Smokey the Bear uh, versus the new Smokey the Bear. Okay. Right? You know what I'm talking There's about. There's a new Smokey the Bear. You don't even yeah. Care He's about Smokey the Bear? Horrifying CG like. It was, anyway, anyway, CG is bad. So I'm, yeah. I'm a... Sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. I, so I'm a really big fan in that whole battle on Endor. There's just a tiny little moment where shit starts going down. Chewbacca picks up a stormtrooper and throws him at a stormtrooper. If that's not the most <laughs> badass maneuver in a fight. Well, I, yeah. I just have to say that I agree with you, Nick. I like the Ewoks. And I've, I've always liked the Ewoks. I think... Uh, now that I'm older and like seeing it in a second watch, like I can I can see, you know, some faults as far as you can point out, you know, Brett and Sam. But I I still at the end of the day love the Ewoks and I think I'll always like the Ewoks. I love what I really love about the Ewoks is I love the idea, and I think it's it goes with what you're saying, Nick, the innocent. Is I love the idea that this Emperor this Empire well, and this the Emperor, emperor <laughs> the Emperor, um, 
you know, there's that great line where the emperor's like, you know, talking to Luke and he's like, your, your friends have already lost. Like I've got all these troops, you know, like they've, you know, there's no way they're getting that shield down or whatever. And just, it's so great that it's like, here's this big, powerful empire, but they are completely underestimating the innocent and the power in that. And I think there's something really great in that. And I think it's really cool that it's like, imagine that ending without the Ewoks. I'm not so sure that that fight on Endor okay. would have worked as well. Imagine their Wookiees instead. A yeah. million times Which better. I think was the original idea and they felt like they couldn't pull it off. Because uh, there's, there's tragic. this thing where I think the real problem is, is like the Ewoks could work if Empire was a movie that was its own movie and not part of this franchise. Uh, but <laughs> the Ewok yeah. Adventure. You mean, uh, yeah, it's a movie. <laughs> the Ewok Adventure. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, if, but the way I look at the original trilogy is they are one movie and, uh, with the setup of the first one and the darkness of the second one and some of these, like the, the really like heart wrenching moments in, in empire, like, uh, before the, they get up to the ship when they're, when, uh, Luke and Vader have their heart to heart, uh, before he turns them over to the emperor and like, Mm -hmm. that's a really powerful scene. Uh, yeah. And and like Vader, like Luke walks away and he is taken away by the guards, and Vader has this like fucking like he's wearing a mask, and you can feel his pain. Yes. And yes. like <laughs> it's uh, it's so good. And then like that plot line and the like the the real humanness of it, and like how like real emotions are there. And then they cut away to these. Yeah. F- fucking teddy bears (laughs) i was like i was a little bummed that point like take your lightsaber strike me down and your turn will be complete he snatches it with the force he swings vader's lightsaber comes out of nowhere blocks it boom emperor starts laughing cut to ewoks like i did not want to cut away from that i don't care about ewoks at that point so I, I, so I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Unnecessary levity. That's the way I would describe it. There's none of that in uh, uh, A New Hope. Empire. There's none of that mm-hmm. in Empire. The the only... C-3PO is the only, uh, what I would say, unnecessary levity in the series, but he's key to the story. And the Ewoks are just sort of there as though we need this need to lighten up the tone or something to that effect as opposed to just telling the story and it's it doesn't fit because they're not actual characters in that wicked's a character i do i I totally agree character i agree with you i do agree with you sam that i think had they been wookies it would have been rad but my my point still stands i think that like just the fact that the empire you know whether they are wookies or ewoks the fact that the empire doesn't even like regard them as a threat because they're these beings that are under them you know they but they didn't regard anyone as a threat that was the whole thing was the empire was just like we got this and like they, that's why they lost the first battle, because yeah. uh, they're like, yeah, they're, what they're sending fucking like one man <laughs> ships at us. Okay, they don't see them as a threat, but they also don't see them as having any value. Like we yeah. just don't care whether they get. I slaughtered. guess my point is and like they don't see them me. as people, and the fact that like that's the point that I'm trying to make is like, and I think that's why the Ewoks are supposed to be like these sort of Aborigine forest people is like it's this evil corporation empire thing that doesn't even see these underlings, these primal beings as beings. But that's how they treat all people. I don't know. I just feel like totally it doesn't fit. Didn't need it. And it's it's yeah, unnecessary. Like avatar plot. 
And also, <laughs> it's like, I don't know, it, it's it's almost degrading to how um, like good the non-Ewok yeah, parts that's, are. That's how I feel about yeah. it. It's like it's a it's a personal insult that they There's think better stuff happening. that that yeah. they that they want to mess with like my real emotions and then be like, oh, just kidding. There's bears. Like, <laughs> so, so let me ask you this: as as the emperor is shocking Luke, writhing on the floor with lightning fingers, lightning fingers. Did he poop his pants? Because he probably <laughs> had to poop his face. Like no, our, his, our big hero of this entire was adventure. so tight. Father there was nothing me. coming out of there. I'm pretty sure I need he toilet paper. These are things I did not need As to he's taking about. off Vader's mask for that final catharsis, and he's like seeing him, his real face, and like finally having this connection and finding the good in him, there was poop sloshing around in his undies. Oh, man. <laughs> Right. Thanks for taking it to the Jar Jar level with poop and fart jokes. <laughs> Misa Jar Jar Binks. Misa ruined Star Wars. <laughs> oh. Star Wars podcast. <laughs> nope, nope, didn't happen. Erased from my memory. Oh. So I, I always like to think of the original trilogy, like um, my instructor from college, Dave Kuhn, who said there are two and a half original Star Wars movies. Yeah, two and a half good, good ones. Yeah, two and a half good Star Wars movies. And I just like to kind of forget the Ewok part. Uh, well, uh, wow. I mean, we, we set out to try and get something in under an hour, and wow, I think we failed. But I think we had a really great time, like, talking about all of how we felt about these movies that we passionately love slash are strangely frustrated with. Right. Um, you know, the, this as a six-movie story, does it hold up? Is it can, – can you, can you give a single verdict? Search your feelings. On, <laughs> on, on them as a complete package? Do you have to break them apart? Brett, do you have an impression on the total arc of the story? Uh, I can't think of it in any other way uh, other than a bi-trilogy in which – uh, one half of it was just not worth my time, mm. uh, and weirdly, it's the two, the the half that was worth my time was the last half of the movie before the original trilogy and the first two and a half movies. <laughs> <laughs> so piecemeal, you can stitch together three good movies. Yeah, yeah, um, but no, it, it's still the whole thing holds a special place, uh, I think, in a lot of people's hearts and. Uh, you know, the biggest pre-sale movie in fucking history, I think, proves that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, as as a whole, I think if even if you watched it in in uh, actual episodic order, I think th- the original trilogy really carries th- the rest of the, the rest of the stuff that was bad into a better place and like fulfills the the weird plots that they started in the prequels and you know tried to tie stuff back in it actually does tie in pretty well a lot of it so sam what's your impression of the whole package um i'm gonna stand by my two and a half great star wars movies um could do without the ewoks kind of regretting watching the prequels but still really love 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 the originals what do you think ian um they're all individual films for me uh, I think I can I can even watch Empire by itself and and enjoy it based on its own merits. Um, and I, if uh, I just wanted to suggest again, everyone go watch the Phantom Edit uh, 
to to get a new sense of what worked in that movie once they trim all the fat out. I'm totally going to watch it. But I mean they're just such cultural touchstones. It's hard to I mean they they are culturally ubiquitous and not just in American culture but everywhere. It's yeah. there's no phenomena like that. It's it's very hard to sum it up in uh in just a sentence or two. But um yeah. I wonder so, too. I wonder too if there's a, a Return of the Jedi edit. There's got to be. I mean, if there's a Phantom edit, there's got to be a Return of the Jedi edit where the Ewoks are removed or curtailed. Maybe. Yeah, no C three PO's, the God of the Ewoks. Yeah, oh, but that was the best part. <laughs> so for me personally, um, you know, a few months ago, I was in a place where I felt like. I'm burnt out on Star Wars. Settle down with the Star Wars. Why are you people so rabid about Star Wars? And I had this impression of the new movie as kind of like I could take it or leave it. But, but I have to say, having gone through this, I've really enjoyed this experience. Going back and watching all of these movies, um, clearly I don't like much about episode one, but there's stuff to like. Mm-hmm. So this entire package, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm very, very excited for the new movie. Um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners don't know about me, but I'm the guy who literally never watches trailers. And so I've been avoiding information. I'm going in very clean from a point of I just rewatched that core six movie story and I'm ready for more. Yeah, like Nick has literally not watched any of the new trailers. He's going to completely go into this cold. Yeah. So Ash, your, your impression of the full six story package? It was, like I said, I mean, it, it was culture shocking, um, s- such a different experience than I originally had. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I I have to walk away, I think, agreeing with Brett and, and Brett's whole position on it, too. Um, except I don't mind the Ewoks. I was cool with that. But I was just. The, the experience was just so shocking to me to find that I actually did like episode three um, because I just I had not seen them since I saw them in the theater, I think. And because I walked away from them then thinking like these are a pile of steaming shit. And so it was just so shocking to me to 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 um, to have such a different experience. Uh, it's crazy. I can, I can understand now why there is this younger generation of people who say that they like the prequels more than the originals. I still disagree with them, but I can understand a little bit more where they're coming from. Uh, you know, they're wrong, but, (laughs) but I can understand. And, um, and that is shocking to me because I never thought that I would understand their point of view. Bryce, what did you think? So I'm actually going to talk uh, for this uh, <laughs> this yes. time. Uh, so yeah, um, did not like the Phantom uh, Phantom Menace, but I will say the original uh, the prequels. I had only seen them in theaters when they first came out, and never rewatched them. So seeing them in such uh, close proximity this time really made me actually appreciate the second and third movie. Uh, just not having you know a year or however however many years I don't remember to be perfectly honest. It was like three years? Okay. Uh, you know, not having this long gap in between, um, just going right from The Phantom Menace uh, to uh, Clone Wars, uh, that juxtaposition really made me appreciate, oh, these do get better. They, You know, the second is much better than the first. The f- uh, and I think the third is much better than the second. I think I think they, they do get better. 
Um, so I actually liked him better, the the prequels, this time around. I still... I don't know. Uh, it gave me more context on the original three as well, so I kind of... You have some backstory, which I really liked, which is cool. Uh, you know, Vader's character, and like you kind of know where these characters are coming from a little bit more. So it was interesting watching it that way. Uh, it is, it is jarring. I agree with Ash going from the newest release Star Wars to the very oldest release Star Wars. There is like you know this huge time gap, so it's it's a little jarring that this is supposed to be, you know. Uh, I think you said you said it so great. Just quoting you, you said you're going from the most recent made Star Wars to the first Star Wars. There's so they're the newest and the oldest in a world that's supposed to be, you know, like this is supposed to be taking place in order of time, you know, and this is oh, like the technology somehow got like worse and more dated in, in this time. Like that's <laughs> weird. But, you know, I understand it is, you know, it's just a newer CG. Uh it, you know, it makes sense, but it, it was a little jarring. Um Yeah. It was enjoyable. Not the first one though. No, definitely uh can't recommend that. Yeah, the uh, I I just I had one more thought. The, the prequels to me are the them and uh, M Night Shyamalan movies are the two greatest cautionary tales about self editing. Uh, the when you become so popular and so uh, significant that you fire your editors and do everything yourself, you know that's that's you always what I've taken. That's always what I've taken away <laughs> from the prequels. I feel like. Um... Stephen Moffat has fallen into that category as well, where he got so great and so good at storytelling that he, I guess, lost his system of checks and balances. Although, and that totally happened to Lucas. You guys, when you catch up with the newest season of Doctor Who, it gets much better. Okay, I, I got to muscle through. Yeah, then. it gets much better. Yeah, everything that George Lucas is famous for, he didn't do directly himself. I just yeah. went and looked up all the Indiana Jones movies. He didn't write any of them. Uh, Lawrence Kasdan wrote yeah. the uh, the original tri- trilogy. So yeah, the guy to love or the people to love here, Lawrence Kasdan and John Williams, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah, I agree. That soundtrack just made it. Yeah, mm-hmm. the whole soundtrack was fucking awesome. Oh. Duel of the Fates is a beautiful, beautiful piece of music. And, and dare I say, potentially better than the originals. Like Maybe. it's, uh, it was it's stunning. All, it's all great. It's stunning. Yeah. So thanks for joining us. I, I I hope this was enjoyable enjoyable for people. I, I think that there's so much frenzy with Star Wars, and I know when I'm passionate and really excited about something, I just love wrapping myself in a blanket of that content. And I just I hope uh, on your your drive to work that that our conversation you know helped you hear you know it, it, join in with with our feelings. And I hope you yelled at us when you disagreed. And and I hope you you know. I hope we connected with people on some level. Well, and feel well, free to time. to tell us how much yeah, you disagree. Yeah, let us know on Twitter what we or got agree. Wrong. Like I, I'm really Search your curious. Feelings before tweeting. Search your feeling. No, uh, I'm cur- I'm really curious to see if anybody else had like the same experience that Bryce and I had. That the like shocking culture shock. Or or any of the other. You know, do mm-hmm. do any of you love that moment when one Ewok is down? You know, like what do you connect with? What do you dis- disagree with? We'd love to hear on Twitter. There's a Lifetime movie in there somewhere Ewok down yeah (laughs) not without my Ewok (laughs) the wicked W. Warwick story (laughs) um so yeah that's that'll do it for this uh special edition of let's rewatch um certainly not our our standard format but we're going to get back to our normal stuff uh that we're releasing every two weeks where of course we like to watch movies from our youth and uh, talk about whether they hold up to a modern viewing audience
and and once again, thank you, Ian, for joining us. Um, as always, uh, check out Ian on Passion of the Nerd on YouTube. Um, what else, Ian? What should people look for? Um, my Twitter is my first name and my last name spelled backwards. So it's Ian Martin, spelled Martin backwards. I could have come up with something better than that, but uh, that's how it goes. And uh, <laughs> it's a rough Twitter. Handle. Yeah, YouTube.com slash Passion of the Nerd. I'll get back on the horse sometime. Yeah, if you love Joss Whedon as 98% of Star Wars fans do, then you're going to love some of Ian's content. I love that precise that precise amount, 98% precisely. Oh, I, I, I buy that. That's yeah. pretty accurate. Uh, hope, you, hope you like the show uh, because we do this all the time. It's part <laughs> of uh, the, the Last Stash network of content. Uh, we have a lot of different shows on YouTube. Uh, we got this this thing. We're, we're always doing more stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. One of our other shows is Hunger Dames. Yes, uh, which we will have a season two coming out, or we'll at least be filming it next year. Hopefully stuff will be coming out next year. We will have a there's – there's some fun surprises coming in the Hunger Dames horizon. That's all I'll say. <laughs> but, yeah, it's uh, – you can watch Ash and uh, Lolita cook things. There's some great video game parodies on the YouTube channel uh, like the Plants vs. Zombies or uh, my favorite one is Spider Tank. Uh, Spider Tank is pretty great. Yeah. And then our other show, Let's Drink, where me and Ash get drunk and have special guests. It's great. Yeah, you can see our faces. Yeah. One of them is bearded. <laughs> Sometimes I'll I'm I'll let unhappy. you guess which one, which one is bearded, which it's one Ash. is not. Yeah, um, it's totally Ash. <laughs> yep. Actually, if you, watch the Halloween, you know if you watch the Halloween episode, it is me. Uh, we will actually have a brand new episode coming out this month, this December Right now, currently, you might be listening to this in the future, but we have a new episode of Let's Drink coming out this month, probably the same week that this podcast will come out, so do check it out, and we drink some tasty holiday beers. Um, And you can also uh, follow us if you want, if you're interested in more Laugh stuff, besides on YouTube, you can follow us on Twitter at Laugh TV. And you can follow this podcast at Let's Rewatch. And again, you know, if you have movie suggestions, ideas, if you want to tell us how much you disagree with us. Uh, recently, somebody tweeted how much they disagreed with you, Sam, on a certain topic. Oh, shit. <laughs> really? yeah. They did. Maybe uh, I should I'll have to go look on it up. Twitter. Um, but it's pretty great. We've been having a lot of really good interactions lately on Twitter. I really appreciate everybody who is tweeting us and communicating. I love it when you tell us, you know. Um, to be perfectly honest and to part the kimono, as the phrase would be, is it's me who's running the Twitter over there. So um, if if I interact, you know, if you get an interaction, just know it's me. I, I'm the one uh, interacting. I'm trying to get these other jerks to participate well, on Twitter. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on Twitter. Yeah, I'll, Brett. Brett's doing I'm all, I'm it. He's all over Twitter. Stuff. I got, uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter, Bread Eagles. Yeah. Uh, or Bread underscore Eagles. That's bread, like the food. And eagles, like the bird, but two of them. Yeah, I'm like a crotchety old lady when it comes to Twitter. I'm like, I don't understand you kids in this new <laughs> social has like media. Four tweets. Uh, one. <laughs> but we have some great people tweeting at us, like Courtney, Maisie, 
Elijah Thompson, I apologize if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, Vern, um, who said that he had to sing Eye to Eye at a party last weekend. Uh, <laughs> he's referring to our Goofy Movie episode with Hector Navarro that should be coming out soon. Um, RP Gamer and What's It Podcast? I think I'm pronouncing this wrong. It's W-H-I-S-T question mark explanation point podcast. Um, but they it's clearly an acronym. Yeah, they said this is the point that they disagreed with you, Sam, on our uh, we did a Mystery Men episode. Oh. And they said, I always thought the bowler's dad talking to her was her subconscious manifesting and that she controlled the ball. And I thought that was an yeah. interesting insight into it. So thank I you like for that insight. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. Yeah, and if you liked our show, please go ahead and give us a wonderful five-star review on iTunes. And if you didn't, uh, search your feelings <laughs> and try again. <laughs> Great. So thanks for joining us uh, for this episode of Let's Rewatch. Yeah, next time we'll be watching the Star Wars Christmas special. Oh, oh, thank you. Oh. <laughs>